Hi there, my name is Bruce Pinchbeck, and I'm your host of Don't Panic, Send, a podcast on the latest trends that are shaping the future of email newsletters by Letterhead. Whether you're brand new to newsletter creation or a seasoned publisher, you're in the right place. Today, we're talking with Colby Hatch, a product lead and copywriter for The Hustle, who's written over 1,000 ads for their clients. We'll talk about his writing process, great ways to build a strong writing habit, and practices that creators can use towards writing stronger pitches to grow subscribers and opens. Let's dive in. Hi, Colby. Uh, Thanks for joining me today. Um, uh, So for those who don't know, can you tell us a little bit about your journey and how you ended up at The Hustle and... um, writing so much copy? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, um, before I worked at the hustle, I worked at a few different ad agencies in SF. I uh, did the agency thing for probably about two and a half years and then quit to start a sandwich company. Um, and so I found a guy in Berkeley, he had a kitchen and we were going to start a sandwich company, like a, like a ghost kitchen sandwiches. thing before it was cool. Yeah. 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 Likewise. <laughs> Uh, I have an Instagram and it's all just sandwich stuff. So, Oh my if, God. I'll uh, check that out yeah. If you're interested in that. Um, so I did that and I failed pretty miserably and it fell apart. Like within 72 hours is the craziest thing. And, um, in, in that failing, I met Sam and he was not much older than I, and he seemed to know what he was doing. Uh, and the hustle was, I didn't even know about it. And I was like, Oh, this is kind of cool. It was like a cool little newsletter. And it was very small back then. I think it was just over about maybe a quarter of a million, which I guess oh, small is quarter small, million. But yeah, <laughs> no, but compared but, to where the hustle is now, yeah, it's that's early, totally. early days. Um, and so yeah, so I, I joined up and I said, hey, I'll do whatever you need. And um, luckily, I was a copywriter, and so they had a spot for me. So they hired me as the first true um, copywriter at the hustle. Awesome. I. Um... I am not a copywriter. So for, for those who are or have been writing for years, some of these questions might seem simple and hopefully we can kind of weave in the more like interesting stuff there as well. Um, but I am, I want to talk a lot. I see a lot of newsletter creators who write great newsletters, but it's the marketing side of it, the like code switching and saying, you know, I'm going to explain this great story. I'm going to wheel you in. I think there's some disconnect between that. Now you got to market yourself and be comfortable with one declaring yourself as worthy of the thing, but also nailing that messaging. Um, and the hustle is the example that everyone I know points to. They're like, let's, let's look what the hustle's doing. And there's all these like playbooks of what the hustle's right doing. On. Yeah. Um, so you, uh, so the reason we're having this conversation is you put up a, a really interesting tweet that mentions, uh, uh, you wrote over a thousand, uh, pieces of copy. What is it? 1,007 ads for the hustle. Uh, 250 yeah. different startups, 150 words an ad. That is a lot of writing. Um, so I kind of want to just dive into this a little bit. Um, if for those who haven't seen it, you know, go ahead and, and, and check out Colby's uh, Twitter. We'll put it on the screen. Um, but just to dive right in, you talk about do your research. That's obviously critical, right? Know what you're writing about. Yeah. Um, I am curious though, too, outside of research for your customers, how can someone how would you recommend someone research themselves? We all have our own perception of what we are. You even mentioned the startups think they're one way or another. Um, and I'm curious, how, how would you recommend kind of breaking out of that? Like, how are you perceived in the world? That's a really good question. Um, 
like how as like an individual creator because you mentioned like there's a lot of folks like trying to start newsletters and, and get different followings going or different communities and it's always yeah like how do you how do you market that community what's your we call it like a niche like what is what's the thing that that makes you exciting mm. it's hard to find i'll be honest and mm -hmm. i think like um a lot of people what you see some what you see somebody who has a really well-defined message and a really well-defined like niche and like oh you know if i go to david david perel mm -hmm. he is that like writes if i sign up to one of his courses i'm gonna learn how to like write consistently I, I think like that's a great message and it's really concise. And obviously I remembered it like off the top of my head. That's like your number one goal. How you find that is a journey. And I, I think like take like Twitter right now, there's a lot of folks at the hustle getting really active on it. And our whole philosophy right now is you just have to experiment a lot. Like you mm -hmm. throw a hundred things at the wall and you notice like, oh, 90 of them fell and were terrible. But you kind of start to see like the 10 um, that are working and, and then you continue to go down that angle. But what I think is really important for folks when they're, if you're going to do that type of trial and error, mm -hmm. just do stuff that's really true and honest to you and do stuff that you like. Otherwise, you know, if, if you're going to start a cybersecurity newsletter, mm -hmm. uh, you better really like cybersecurity because if, if you do it well and you figure out, Hey, if I kind of tweak this where it's like cybersecurity news in five minutes or less and all like top headlines, I can get a real following. But it's like, man, you better really like doing that every day. Mm -hmm. yeah. Um, so I think that's important to remember too. Um, but definitely I, I couldn't say there's any like, you know, do X, Y, and Z and you're no, no amazing meditation your... practice. Yeah. To figure out who you are in the world. Well, Dude, I wish that's well. I mean, how, coming. Don't worry. No. <laughs> yeah. When you, you so you joined joined the hustle early. How much of that voice and that was defined and set in stone, and you had to weave into your own writing versus like you got to bring your own magic sauce. Um, it's really interesting. I think part of the reason. So before they hired me, and this is what we do with any copywriter or writer, and this is also a really good practice. Is you're going to want to do run them through like tests. Um, they hired me for a week before and like paid me as a freelancer and I, I lucked out. So I write a lot on the side and my personal style is very much the hustle style, which, you know, we describe as like John Stewart esque. Mm -hmm. Um, so at first pass they, you know, it was like, Oh, perfect. You, you know what, you know, our style and you know how to write this way. Um, as far as how we like with folks, if you read something from the hustle and we're like, I really want to write that way. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, internally when we have writers that we bring in who maybe they're a really good journalist or a really good analyst or somebody who has one skill set, but maybe they just don't write in the same mm -hmm. way that we, you know, our readers are used to. There's things you can, we have like brand guidelines. And so mm -hmm. we sit down and, you know, you look at one sentence, well, here's how we would write that sentence and here's why. I think being being more prescriptive about it is helpful. And in the terms of the hustle, it's like, um, you know, like all, we're always very painfully honest. And a lots of times, if you read anything, it's funny. It's like, nah, it's not really a joke. It's just honesty. Mm -hmm. um, and and so those types of things we've codified into sort of a brand voice yeah. uh, sheet.
I think that's interesting. I think when you're on your own, it's, it's sometimes like when you're in a, a business and you have other people have to write with you, it's like, you have to have a guide. You have to have a way to be like, here's the playbook. Yeah. Uh, I think it's interesting I think when you're on your own, it's sometimes like, how do I talk? How do I want this to talk? And so it's like, essentially the, the, what it feels like to me is the difference is intention. It's just like you are intentionally following a guide versus, uh, are you intentionally deciding what your voice is of your own newsletter or your own copy you're writing? Um, maybe that's, yeah, that's, it's a really good point. And honestly, it's a great exercise too. Um, I'll be honest, it's something I haven't done, but now that you bring it up, I think, yeah, <laughs> if I was, if I was serious about writing my own newsletter and said, Hey, this is what I want to speak to. Uh, yeah. I'd sit down and probably write out kind of a brand guideline. Um, kind of, I'm just like kind of going down the, the, the Twitter thread that you had there. Um, sure. You, you talk about bringing in a, a single value prop, uh, which makes a ton of sense, right? It's super clear. The explanation makes sense. What I find is it's incredibly hard. One, I've had experiences with my clients to convince them, like, I know you want all these messages in there. I know you want all these things in there, but it's too much. It's like, you know, you're not going to get the right story out. But how, do, how would you tell people to kind of uh, understand that, like, this one value is why we're going to stick to it? Um, and how have you, uh, when faced with many value props, how do you make that decision? Is it just gut? Is it the brief? You know, how are you kind of weighing yeah. those things? Um, it's kind of a mix of factors as far as to answer that last question, like, how do you choose? Hmm. Um, some clients will be, they'll be very specific. Hmm. Um, and then others might not be for us. Like we know, so like any newsletter, you should always be getting a lot of customer feedback, customer, mm -hmm. I mean, user feedback. Um, and so we know like how they react to certain stories. We know the things they like, we know what topics are really interesting. So you kind of take that data to heart and then you can look between all of these value props, like, oh, this one's really useful for solopreneurs. This is the one we really got to lean on because we have data to support, you know, so many readers of ours are solopreneurs. Mm -hmm. But um, as far as like, and what was your earlier question? Sorry, I got off Yeah, track. no, it's... It's essentially like, how do you help the customer also if they yeah. want multiple value props? You know, sometimes there's this like kind of moment where like, no, 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 we need to talk about all these three things, but, but you have limited space. So then it becomes just, here's the thing, here's the thing, here's the thing, you know, like how do you, yeah. how do you help them understand that? Um, so, you know, there's a lot of ways I would say at the hustle, especially as we got, as our ad, like our advertising department and that entire system got more mm -hmm. mature, that type of conversation would kind of get nipped in the bud because we had the sales team was very specific when they're first bringing in a prospect and then a potential client. They're very specific about positioning our writing staff as experts of both our voice and our mm -hmm. users. And they do it in such a good way where I would go in to a lot of client calls and, you know, typically a client would buy more than one ad spot. So they maybe have like five. And so when they have a lot, you mm -hmm. can kind of say, okay, on this one, we're going to test this value prop. We're going to test three value props. And then for runs four and five, we're going to take the top one. Um, so if, if you're lucky enough to have a lot of ad spots, then you do it that way. If not, um, over the process of getting that person to convincing that person to give you dollars, 
you establish your credibility with your audience to a point where you just tell them no and you say, mm -hmm. listen, if we're going to be successful in this partnership, you got to trust me. Um, you know, pick one value prop. It's a hundred, in our case, it's 150 words. You can't really do much in there and you shouldn't. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and so like it worked for us, but for, if you're a solo creator, I do think like, you know, part of the reasons why a lot of these big brands are testing with smaller newsletters is because they like these really niche audiences. And if you have a newsletter of CMOs in the Midwest, mm -hmm. like some advertisers are like, that's banging. Yeah. Like, get me in the door. <laughs> yeah. uh, and and so in your process of talking to those, you, you just really want to lean on that and be like, listen, mm -hmm. I know these people. I know what they want and I know how they think. So, yeah, um, I, I think we've had similar and I think it like boils down to it's like setting really good expectations. Like what's the process like? And yeah. your sales team is doing that, which is, you know, that's beautiful chef's kiss moment uh, right. when they come in and they understand what to get out of it. Uh, and then I think the thing we've kind of done, and I'm sure you guys are doing this as well, is like if there's multiple spots, uh, test multiple messages, report that back to the customer, uh, tell them what resonated best so that they can double down or take those insights elsewhere. That seems to add a lot of value, especially because we, we don't have uh, newsletters the size of the hustle. So that deep value, that insight has been really valuable to our uh, advertisers as well. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I'll always frame it as testing too. Um, <laughs> because like the truth is, is you're gonna, there's yeah. things that aren't going to hit and you're going to have clients that are pissed. Mm -hmm. And if you, if you approach it as sort of this like testing framework, um, again, you can manage expectations better and, and get in front of like some bad conversations for sure. <laughs> yeah. Well, I just think it's like, it's, there's all the right steps you can take and something can still just fall flat. It could be the right audience, the right message, and maybe the bad day news cycle was off. Yeah. Something was weird. And it's like, you have to convey those expectations to customers. Like it's not, if you want performance, like spe specific performance marketing, like Facebook, Google ads, whatever, like there's different paths for that very specific thing. Mm -hmm. Newsletter ads, I view as a very different kind of thing in, in your marketing portfolio, I guess you'd say. I'm getting like really jarred sure. here. <laughs> no, 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 but it's true. And like, it's important to keep that in mind because when we work with a lot of clients, we kept saying like, listen, we're not Facebook. Mm -hmm. Like we don't know where every client lives and what their five interests are. You know, yeah. we only have the data they give us. We're not we can talk averages. Around. We can't guarantee you clicks. We yeah. can't charge you on these things, these different various things. Um, yeah. Yeah. Cause that, cause we also had that where like, yeah, these are average. And then a client forces copy or whatever. And you're like, I don't know if it's going to perform. And then it doesn't. And you're like, sorry. Um, told you. that was our insight. <laughs> yeah. Um, you talk about having a good, uh, uh, I wrote CT or ETA, but you, I mean ETA here, uh, for your message. That's like one of the early things you, you write. Um, what's a good ETA. Uh, so I keep saying that CTA for CTA. signing up to a newsletter. Would you just do sign up, subscribe? That's a great question. I would start with sign up for sure. Um, we, we've tested a lot. I think mm -hmm. if you go on the hustle.co or trends.co as well, mm -hmm. tested a lot, um, get it. Like there's so many you can it. do. And I, I, um, you know, you could rattle off a list of 50, but I think the most important thing is if, if that's of interest to you, if testing that variable is interesting to, just make sure that you have a, a framework in place for a long time. The hustle didn't I'm gonna put them on blast. Um, 
we we were like i mean we were just like rolling with it and this is when i like first joined and eventually we we started to get systems and um really like tools that allowed us to to a b test in a way that was just faster more mm. effective and we were more confident in the results mm -hmm. so if you're if you're like if i was a, a person trying to start a newsletter day i'd use something like click funnels or something uh mm -hmm. surprisingly it's really good and you'll be able to test something like that and you'd be surprised like i couldn't tell you what'll work it depends on so many different variables but you'd be surprised what works good can we take a minute to dive a little like you mentioned a few times you know understanding the results things like that what is your habit in that you know i i know you don't have to get into the weeds of like what actual tools you're using and and that sort of process that's that's you guys is kind of proprietary stuff but is it is it like a daily thing? Is this a dashboard you look at daily? Are you going in meetings? How are you taking results from these campaigns and using that into the future? Uh, yeah, it's a, it's, I'd say it's, it's a dashboard that we look at probably on a weekly basis. Um, just because when like running tests, especially if you're lower volume, mm -hmm. um, it takes time. And I think there's a lot of different schools of thought, like how long or how, how big of the sample space. But we check it every week and then at a regular cadence, I'd say monthly, there's meetings within our marketing and growth teams where it's like, mm -hmm. let's look at this month's tests, um, what what's really working. And if, if if we spot something that's working one week, you know, we're able to take that insight and apply it to our production site mm -hmm. uh, in, in a matter of like four or five days. So you know, it's like, it's a pretty well-oiled machine, especially with trends because it's a paid product. And, mm -hmm. um, you know, we have more incentives there to really mm -hmm. closely look at that. Um, but it's a, it's a really well-oiled machine now and it's really exciting to see. That's awesome. And do you guys have like a, like a decision point? Like I always think about like looking at the data and you're like, Oh, look, it's slightly better or this or like, it, I'm assuming maybe the team decide, the growth team decides that and declares like, Hey, this is a insight. Go after this. How does that kind of part work? How do you actually look at the n numbers and say, yeah, let's, let's try that more or something. If that makes sense. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, it, so like with every test or with every page, there's an action we want the user to take. Um, signups are really the easiest because it's like, you know, the action is just put in your email address and hit, get it or whatever the word you're using. <laughs> um, and so we, we, you know, we test like, fortunately there's tools where you can test like 10 variables at a time. So you can test your headline, you can test your button icon, you can test all the stuff. And then at the end of it, you can kind of see the result, which is your opt-in rate. Mm -hmm. um, you'll find that like a lot of the little tweaks are going to get you like one, 1%, 2%, um, really like stuff where it's probably, it's maybe error. Mm -hmm. um, but when you really make a change, you'll see hops of like 10, 15% with when people are first starting out, I've worked with some solo newsletter folks who just have a bad landing page and you change one thing. And we're talking like three X, you know, oh the number gosh. of opt-ins, 300% increase. So early on, you can definitely experiment and see these huge, huge um, leaps. But That's awesome. when you're doing, we're doing high volume. It's not very much. Yeah, that's always I think we struggled with early on whereby us was the initial when we were small, it's like we knew the importance of testing, but the getting the rich data took a while. Um, 
yeah. I, I agree with that, but it's still worth the habit. It's still worth the building the habit, or at least thinking about what are the other options I should be looking at um, as a good behavior. Um, we talk a little bit, uh, this is kind of a, maybe a softballer for, for a writer, but you talk about delete every adverb. Can you explain that a bit? Yeah. Cause I think there's a habit where it's like, let's fluff this language up a bit. Uh, how do you Dude. go about that? <laughs> uh, burn your thesaurus. Um, <laughs> that's what I, I say to that, but with adverbs, um, so that advice, I read that, uh, Stephen King on writing great book. That's one of that book doesn't have it has a lot of really good things about writing, but it doesn't have a lot of like, hey, write your sentences exactly like this. The one thing it does have is that he's like, I hate adverbs. If I see an adverb, I will kill it. Um, and I, I just think, you know, a lot of people who are first starting out and writing, especially folks in the tech industry who come from maybe they were designers or maybe they did a lot of coding or engineers they kind of look for these things in writing where it's like, just tell me how to make it better. Mm -hmm. um, and one of those things is like, don't use adverbs. Don't use superlatives. Um, don't use cliches. Like the, those that I call in as far as like in your writing toolbox, that's like so basic mm -hmm. um, that everyone should know that, but definitely like kill adverbs. Um, superlatives are also really, really common when people are first, especially writing ads. Yeah, it's just i love it they no, watch mad great. men yeah they watch <laughs> mad men they're like that's how every ad is it's like the best coffee in the world or something yeah. it's like no you can't <laughs> please no um yeah think of colby folks don't do that to him um yeah so i uh again so i kind of mentioned this earlier i was i'm not i would say i'm not a strong copywriter i'm getting better with practice you know the kind of thing you talk about the repetitions and, and yeah. getting that that work and you talk about make sure you do copy editing. I used to fall right on my face copy editing because I just didn't under I didn't know what to, to do was right. I have since adopted like Grammarly and used that to kind of help coach me. But I know that's a pitfall too. If you're not careful, it's like it'll suggest changes like you know any other autocorrect will. How do you recommend people go about copy editing if you're solo? You know, normally in a great newsroom, you have editors who are coaching you and helping you learn, and you're leveling up as you go. For these people, they have solo on solopreneurs and that, um, any advice for, for kind of getting that copy editing? Yeah, that, I mean, um, yes, uh, it's very <laughs> difficult when you're alone. Um, the, if you're truly alone and you don't want to reach out or like you have some piece that you don't want to share, you just have to wait. That'd be my advice. Mm -hmm. Let it cool. It's kind of hard if you're writing a uh, newsletter, right? <laughs> I don't want yeah, anyone to read this. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. Uh, and so I'll assume that if you're a newsletter, um, I definitely think, you know, developing even reaching out to any network, uh, a friend of mine, um, Stu Fortier, he's got compound writing, um, which is a, it's like a, it's like, I want to say it's almost a thousand now writers. They were in YC, really cool company, uh, really amazing. But their whole the problem that company's trying to solve is exactly the one you pose, which is like, how do you as a single writer find people who are going to copy edit, but also look at your piece and mm. think critically about it and be like, yo, you know, logically, this doesn't make sense. You need to swap this around. Um, so looking for for communities like that, that one's paid. So if you know, if it's 
if you can't afford it, that's tough. But I think there's a lot of those um, communities mm-hmm. out there. And just find them and then just talk to other writers. You go on Twitter and be like, hey, I'm a newsletter creator. I bet you like so many people would hop on that. Like, let's get a little thing going and, and share each other's drafts. Um, Absolutely. I'm sure you but can find tough. Facebook groups and stuff like that around that, you know, you can get for free. I'm not, they probably are not as high quality and I'm sure you're going to, it's going to take you more time, yeah. but that's where the money investment comes in and helps you push faster. Um, no, that's awesome. I'm really glad to hear about that. I can't wait to check that out. I will probably, yeah. you know, compound sign up for writing. That. What's that? Yeah. Compound writing. Got it. Yeah. Um, how do you catch your own bad habits in writing? Uh, really, that's a great question. So what I do is I write them down and I, I recognize that I have bad habits. And that came from a manager of mine at the hustle. He was actually the, another co-founder of the hustle. Sometimes not talked about his name's John. Um, he, he wrote down like every time he, he screwed up or had an issue and he had this like issue book. And so for me, like when I wanted to get better at writing, I would just say, you know, these are, I'd get feedback from other Mm -hmm. writers or I'd see like errors that are really common for me. And I'd write them down and be like, oh, I did it again. I did it again. Mm -hmm. And and that kind of like repetition helped a lot just to keep it top of mind. Um, But there's always going to be things you you constantly work on. Mm -hmm. And what I find, and this is true, I think with any, I mean, it gets copyright and art, but like with any creative thing, the better or the longer you do it, the more you're willing to break the rules. And so then you realize none of the rules matter. Um, <laughs> and kind of like breaking them is part of the art. So that's that's kind of where I'm at. Awesome. No, I love that. Well, it's like you can't break the art rules if you don't know the, the rules, the history of it. You know, every, like I think in great classical art. It's always the the next big phase is usually in uh, a twist on the last phase because they understood it deeply right. and they're like, we're going to make this ironic or whatever, or improve the format or the flow. And I think there's nothing different from that being a great writer is like you talk about, um, you know, uh, surprising people, getting them hooked and stuff like that. I think that's part of it, right? Like, I oh, there's something familiar here, but it's different. Let's find out more. Right. I think I think you nailed it there. And that's only through reps, right? You can only get that through exposure reps. And then I would say too, like the big thing now is um, like you mentioned using Grammarly as a tool. Mm -hmm. I think Grammarly is great if you're doing emails and stuff, but if Mm -hmm. you're writing copy or things like that, Mm -hmm. it's going to, it's going to suggest things that aren't right because people don't speak with perfect grammar. And I think what's important Mm -hmm. about like copy Joe Sugarman, he's a great copywriter. He always talks about like copies. It should be, it's like somebody telling you like they're, it's a salesperson right in your ear, like guiding you. And, and, mm-hmm. and, and so sometimes you're going to write a sentence that's one word or that's totally grammatically incorrect, but it sounds good and it feels good. And so I think you should embrace that. I love um, that. Yeah. I'm doing it. I'm, it's all going to just be like, I'm going to be writing in gifts or something like that. And, uh, dude. <laughs> in time in time like we used to i'll give you an example we used to never put emoticons in the email it was a rule so i talked about those brand brand guidelines earlier one rule was never put emoticons and we started to realize that's how people speak now especially you know we're all remote you're just on slack all day you can't really share any emotion um 
and so now you'll see in a lot of our writing you see them everywhere so i've i've uh i feel attacked there was a, a tweet recently someone posted on our slack and it was like you can tell I, I can tell someone's 34 if they use reaction gifs and so like, i was like <laughs> oh my god like that's exactly how old i am and then you're called the, out the second one was that uh gen z thinks that the laughing emoji, like the rolling on the floor laughing emoji is awful or whatever. And they use the skull or whatever. And it's, it outs you as a millennial or something like that. And so now I'm very conscious oh of this, but, uh, it's just funny. Like the little subtleties of our, you know, culture. Yeah. It's good uh, to know. And for copywriters, it's good to know that that's the last yeah. thing I'll say, but know that stuff. Yeah. The skull emoji is now the new laugh one. Apparently I guess you're dead. I don't know. Oh gosh. Um, uh, so you also at the very end of the 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 there was a second thread you linked to um oh where did i put it sorry here um the headlines the headlines. headlines are so important yeah. and i think i'll like when i think of headlines i think subject lines as well would you equate those or not um and can we talk about headline a little bit um yeah um i, w I mean i would equate them as far as the process mm -hmm. uh what what works in a subject line is a little different and there's a lot of different, there's like these little weird techniques you can do. Mm. Um, you'll notice in the hustle subject lines, lots of times the story that's being referenced is not the headline story. Mm -hmm. um, that total purposeful. Um, and, the, and the reason being is like, you're gonna hook them with the subject line, you're gonna open with a really op cool opening story they're still going to be, they're still going to have that curiosity gap. Like, Hey, where was that subject line? Mm -hmm. Lots of times it's the bottom story. And so the idea being that you keep them engaged, but, um, yeah, I definitely equate the two. I think we going back to our, how much testing we do every day, those subject lines are tested mm -hmm. and the ones that you, the one that you receive in your inbox is probably one of five um that was high performing wow. that's awesome now you you also teased in that thread that you would do a full newsletter breakdown i'm not putting you on the spot but could, I know you, give I us a, could you give me a teaser of how you guys think of, you just kind of did it there where you're like oh we like to hide you know the the teaser so the subject in the thing how are you thinking about the flow of the newsletter if you don't if you can talk about it yeah uh, totally um and it's something that we've done a lot of work on and you know companies like morning brew and the hustle if you were to print those two newsletters out and look at them and, and kind of break down the sections you'll notice a lot of things that are common and that's just because there's like business reasons there's just like there's just so many reasons for it for example um in the intro lots of times you'll see a um the logo of the advertiser and that's getting kind of standardized from what I've noticed mm -hmm. from all the newsletters I subscribe to. It never used to be that way. In fact, again, we used to have a rule. We don't put the logo above like, you know, any of the content, mm -hmm. the logo goes with the advertiser. Um, but what, what had happened is now that advertisers are um, cutting more of these deals and working with more and more newsletters, they want what's called, I'm going to butcher this, but it's, um, they have a fancy marketing term. Uh, but the idea being that it's always going to render their logo is always going to render. So if you get an open, mm. you can guarantee, oh, yeah. you can guarantee that that user saw your Scroll. logo. Mm -hmm. And so that's really important. Um, and that's something where even if 
especially if you do large campaigns with big, big clients, you do brand campaigns, which means you're not selling a product. You're just saying Microsoft's the, the freaking best. I almost yeah. swore. Um, <laughs> this is the best. Uh, Microsoft. <laughs> and when you're doing those campaigns, your performance is going to be absolute crap. And mm. so, you know, saying, well, hey, we had three million opens across your campaign. That means three million impressions on that logo. That's pretty good, right? Mm -hmm. um, so that's like one thing. And then you'll also see in the intro now, um, the personalized thing, the personalized note from the writers, mm -hmm. something that we didn't do originally. And now you see it pretty much in every newsletter. Um, mm -hmm. And I think that's actually, lots of times that's where mo the most clicks come from. So but that little section is really important. But what, what I've noticed now operating in newsletter land for three and a half years is they're all kind of in substock, substock, substack. Give me some stock on substack. <laughs> um, substack's kind of feeling this too. Like mm. every newsletter is starting to look the same. And I don't mm -hmm. think it's by accident. I do think, you know, there's a lot of thought behind it. Um, but then, you know, you can break those rules too. Exactly. That's what I was going to think. Like, yeah. you know, there, there are expectations and it's like, flip it on your head if you know, try it out, whatever. But no, I mm -hmm. think that's, I think there is a lot of intention. And I think if you're a younger newsletter writer, it's like to what you said, print it out. It's like, get as many uh, examples and then figure out what fits your flow, what fits your like curiosity. You know, if you care about cybersecurity and you don't want to write six paragraphs about it every day oh, or whatever, God. then figure Dude. out what is that format? Is it like, I'm going to find the best yeah. tweet? Great do that. Um, mm -hmm. I think that's awesome. Um, how are you then? So this is the thing I think about, how are you pushing people to the bottom in the newsletter, right? There's stuff down there. There's work that's money, that's investments. There's totally typically ads and others and other reasons for people to be down there. How are you helping users, uh, get there? Um, there's, there's a few reasons, a few ways we do it, or at least things we try in order mm -hmm. to get that result. The subject line, which I mentioned, mm -hmm. um, is one way. And that's just that natural curiosity. I, I want to see that story. Um, the other thing that I've seen, and I'll give Morning Brew credit to great effect, is you, and this is a classic copywriting technique too, um, you hit them with a promise at the top of the mm -hmm. email. I promise you, if you read this whole thing, you're going to be delighted. Or I promise you, you will have the answer to this question. And you put that question right at the bottom or the answer right at the bottom that, I mean, that will work a hundred percent of the time. Mm -hmm. um, so I think you're going to see more of that. The, the other things we've done in the past is for like hardcore hustle fans. We have a lot of Easter eggs in the email mm -hmm. that are all, typically always at the bottom. And it's stuff like um, we always do like a made up name. So one of the writers is always a made up name. <laughs> And so people always scroll down to see what the made up name is. So, um, there's there, I mean, I think there's things like that, but it's definitely, if you're starting a newsletter, it's good to know that, yeah, eventually making sure they scroll to the bottom is important. So yeah, I mean, create I mean, a structure. all this work, yeah. don't let that like fall oh, off man. on the end. You know, that's all your time, your investment, you know, your, whatever it is, the creative energy you're, you're putting out in the world, make sure they're seeing it. Um, I think it's, Oh dude. Point. And then just speaking of advertisers, if you go that route, mm -hmm. they don't like being at the bottom cause they know. Yep. And so then it's like, well, where are you going to put them? Mm -hmm. You're going to put them right after your top story and then you're going to hit your audience with an ad right after. So it's a balancing act. Mm -hmm. And 
Um, One thing we noticed too is our, uh, our events calendar, because you know we're, we're local publications. So well, when people used yeah. to go out in the world, events were huge, and people wanted curated events, and so we provided that. And that was intentionally always left at the bottom. Like initially, it just kind of happened to be there, like out of design. We're like, oh, it fits down here, really nice. And then more and more, we're like, people are clicking a ton of these things. And if we want to get yep. the advertisers comfortable there, you have to show like, hey, here's people clicking down there. We know that they are yep. down there. Um, you know, that sort of stuff can be really, really important. Yeah. Events is a great idea. I might have um, to, we might have to take that. Yeah, do it. Because I need more <laughs> event listing. <laughs> hey, man, listen, I'm a user as much as I, I, I am a publisher as well. And I want people to make awesome stuff so I can consume it. Um, yeah. So this podcast is called, uh, well, we're kind of wrapping up here at the end, but this podcast is called yeah. Don't Panic Send. It's kind of based on that moment when you're, you've written your email, you've oh, proofread yeah. it, and you have this moment of like, I'm about to send this to a ton of people. Uh, and then you send and then you like recheck the email. And what we want to encourage people is to get comfortable with these moments in newsletter production yeah. and, and the creative world. Uh, the question is quite difficult here. The last question, but I think it's fun because don't panic send. We kind of got the hitchhiker's guide kind of reference in there. Uh, yeah. What would Big you fan. say is the ultimate question for a creator? Dude, that's a tough one. Um, the ultimate question for a creator, man. Um, Mine, or I'll just give you mine. Mm -hmm. I, I don't know if this is the ultimate. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna say that it is. But um, I always ask, like, why should someone care, like, about what you're making? Mm -hmm. uh, why? Why did? Why? Why? Whoever reads this, why should they give a shit? Um, and I think just ask yourself that constantly, because. Um, if you yeah because there's so there's so much stuff online and there's so many i'm sorry but there's so many newsletters anymore mm -hmm. like i don't want to poo poo anybody like dude i got a newsletter idea but <laughs> <laughs> newsletters uh and i mean speaking of like podcast like there's just so much creation which is really really exciting but what's important is you just have to say why should someone care and i think mm -hmm. if that answer might change but um yeah, just ask yourself. That's all I say. I like. I love it. Why would Bruce read this? I don't know. And Perfect. then I say, Oh shit! I better figure this out. <laughs> I need to know why Bruce is going to read this. So like, I love it. Yeah, I love it. You should always ask why. Uh, well, Colby, yeah. thank you so much for your time. Uh, this was super helpful for me personally, my own little selfishness. Um, and I uh, hope our listeners and uh, readers of the you know the tweet storm of this uh, find it useful. <laughs> Uh, how can people follow or get in touch? How should they kind of learn more about what you're up to and, and follow the journey? Uh, right now it's Twitter. Um, Twitter right now for me, hopefully and eventually soon, something more. But um, yeah, man, this has been awesome. Thank and you. And it's Colby Hatch, but the, the, the handle is at Hatch Colby. Yeah. So get on there, follow these threads. They're Sco beautiful. Sco yeah, scored my full name for Twitter, which I think is that's tough, right? I don't have too many Bruce Pinchbecks, so I got lucky with that. Uh, there can't oh. be that many Colby Hatches, are there? Is this a there? There's obviously more than one. Uh, oh my I couldn't gosh. get it. No, um, there's only one that that we know and love now. All right, Colby, thank you so much for your time. I appreciate it. Talk right on. Soon. Thank you. Thanks for joining us today on Don't Panic Send. Please let us know over at tryletterhead.com how we're doing, what topics you'd love to see covered, 
or folks we should interview. Until next time, remember, don't panic, send.